0: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. You're <laughs> right,
1: Finny. You look, you look, you look a bit listless. You're right.
0: No, I'm all right. Yeah. I'm just a bit tired. Been building furniture for the last um, oh, for the good. last few days. Yeah. Oh, great. Is this can, what we...
1: happens when you're injured. Get onto the podcast. We need to find out what happens when you're injured. We, I was going to say, we can get 20 minutes yeah. out of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs>
2: hello and welcome to another episode of zero ducks given and let's get straight into the big topics because Stephen finn is sat there and he's just told us that he's a bit tired because he's been building furniture for the last few days finny talk to me um why are you only building furniture now haven't you been in that flat for several months already
0: no um no i've moved actually um I've moved down closer towards the uh, towards the coast for the summer months, yeah. So, it came in and it was a complete empty shell of a flat. So, I've had to, yeah, I've spent three days now building furniture. And then to top it off, I've come on at 10 o'clock and I have to sit and listen to you two. So, yeah, it's the same story as most weeks when it comes to this, that um, that I'd rather be belt-sanding my bollocks than sat here right now.
1: <laughs> so, okay, look, you're not on the BBC, so you're allowed to name, is it, is it, is it Ikea? Come on. Oh, so you got like some, some fancy, like, are you is getting it, Wayfair, it from or... Harris, Har- Harrison Ford? Is it Flat Pack from Harrison Ford, Master Carpenter, has sent you? No,
0: no, absolutely not, no. It's from a shop called Made.com.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, the, yes, we've heard of them, yeah. The Thinking Man's They're, Ikea. Yeah.
0: They are, yeah, they are nice, but the, 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 um, the spare bed has been a challenge. To say the least. I built an ottoman bed.
1: By well, the instructions in ancient Greek. <laughs> you, should have had,
2: you should have had a word with me. Oh, an ottoman bed. That's where you've got storage underneath. That's classy. Yeah, yeah. I'm
0: savvy. Savvy, you
2: know. Now, I've, I've got a couple of follow-up questions. A few, actually. First of all, what sort of flat-pack furniture builder are you? Do you ignore
1: the instructions and just dive straight no, in?
0: No, I... I, I follow the instructions.
1: You could tell that. I mean, Tobes, that was absolutely, completely obvious. Look at his repeatable action. Look at his, oh, what did Glenn McGrath do? I'll have to do exactly like him. He's he's completely instruction-based, is Finney.
2: <laughs> I mean, this is a man who spent half his career falling over on his ass and knocking the bales off. So he might have good intentions. It doesn't mean the building goes very well. My next question is: what do you like line up every single piece of kit to make sure that they're all in the box before you begin?
0: Yeah, I also do that,
1: yeah. Oh, God, you're the Alison Mitchell of flat-pack furniture. Okay, (laughs) right, go on.
0: I like Ali, so that's fine. I love Ali.
1: She's brilliant. She's very, very methodical. I'm learning a
2: lot about you in this conversation. Fascinating. Um, And my next question, you mentioned that you'd rather belt-sand your bollocks than be sat here talking to us, which, you know, I thought was quite insulting. We got a tweet in the week from somebody called Doobie McFicklebury on Twitter. They said... At Zero Ducks Pod, whilst listening to your Clip Show episode a few weeks ago, it shocked me to hear that Finney used to sound enthusiastic to be on the pod. He was even polite enough to laugh at some of Toby's jokes. Does Finney remember the moment when that all changed?
0: Yes. Do you know what I feel like? I feel like Donny van der Beek when he signed for Manchester United. I Mm. was... Sold this great hope when Dan rang me up and said, oh, "I've got this really fun podcast that you can do." And I thought, you know, I've listened to loads of podcasts, and you know, you do a series of ten, and you have a couple of weeks off, so you don't have to, you know, you give yourself a bit of breathing space. But good point that,
1: actually, um, that's a very, very good point. I don't know why we, yeah, yeah. good point. Yeah.
0: And then, and then, you know, we're about eighty-three weeks in. Producer South can find out exactly what episode we're on. I've not had a week off from talking to you too. And, and yeah, it can wear thin. It's like being with your teammates the entire time. So, um, yeah, you, I feel like Donny van der Beek sold the dream at Manchester United and hasn't played a fucking game.
2: Well, if, if it's <laughs> any consolation, it's only actually, this is episode number 69. Um, so, a magic know. number, but also... Why
1: did no one <laughs> tell us that beforehand?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but also shows how much it's dragging that... Finney thinks it's episode 82. He's added an extra 14, 13 hours onto the podcast. That's how long it's felt for Stephen Finn. Whilst I've got you here, Finney, and I'm asking you questions, I've got another one. I thought of this question this week. Do you remember last week I was chatting to you about your bowling average in test cricket and how it crept over 30 in your final ever test match? Mm-hmm. And I said, would you sacrifice a few wickets to have a bowling average under 30? And you said, mm-hmm. absolutely. Right, here's my question. you got 125 test wickets at 304 would you accept ninety-nine test wickets at twenty-nine point nine nine? So you lose <laughs> your hundredth wicket, but you get a bowling average under thirty.
1: Brilliant question! Great Thank question, you. Tobes. Thank you. Oh, he stumped him. He's thinking about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm a bit stumped. Oh. I mean, oh, I've never seen this happen before. Look at him. I've got it. Normally, he's so certain. You know, he's so like you know, he's he's, he's like a he's like a professional sportsman. Normally, isn't he? Yeah, but hundred is his own number, mind, isn't
0: it? You're part of a club when you've taken 100 test wickets.
1: You want to be part, you always want to belong, don't you, Finney? We need to have mm, a chat yeah. about that. Get the couch out, lie down, and let's have a little don't, chat. About don't, that.
2: don't get on the couch. He's built it a full <laughs> fucking apart straight away. You stay wherever you are. <laughs> 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 Whatever you do, don't get the couch out. <laughs> <laughs> so, you're going to go for a, you're going to stick with your current stats of 125 at 30.4, yeah?
0: Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, when I said you could take a few off, I meant five, not <laughs> right. 26. Got you. Okay, fair that's enough. That's a whole series in a bit's work.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to see where the level was. Just wanted to By see the way, where the level...
1: Was his average 29.99 when he had 99 wickets or not?
0: It must yeah, have been. Yeah,
1: way less. Yeah. Right. So so was it, was about 28,
0: it was about 28.3 or 4, something like that.
1: Mm, that's quite specific, isn't it? He really did know, didn't he? He really did care. But once you join yeah. the club, though, once you join the club, do you think maybe joining the club, Finney, was part of the reason that you, you weren't quite as on it towards the back end there? Because you're, like, you're in uh, the club now. I think
0: I just bowled shit in my last test series and that cost me my entire career. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: that's a cheery thought.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I never thought I'd say this. Should we go back to the flat-back furniture?
1: Yeah. Oh, by the way, well, well, we haven't actually asked him what flat-back furniture he's actually got. Are, are we Good talking... For- I mean, it's not like a bookcase, surely.
0: No, I I built two beds from scratch. Nice work. I built two a co- yeah two, hmm. um a coffee table, oh. which wasn't that hard. That was just a few screws and
1: you know. Well, it's basically a flat top and four legs, isn't it? I mean, hmm. that really can't be tricky.
0: Well, no, this is a two tier coffee table, actually.
1: No, oh. oh. someone's earning. Yeah.
0: Well, yeah, <laughs> not from this, um, and then. Then what else? The sofa came with no legs on, Ooh. so I had to I had to put the legs on. Um,
1: it came with everything except the legs, did it?
0: Well, no, the legs they just came in a separate box.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. So, so, so basically, you had to screw four legs on a sofa, right? Yeah. I mean, how long
0: do you think? But I think that's the real no, no, they, they were that was the easy bit. The, the beds were tricky because they've literally come in a thousand pieces, and um, mm. I haven't fallen through it yet.
2: Okay. And two, though... Did you not get the option? Because when Pips and I got our bed, we were lazy and we did that thing where you pay extra for two blokes to come in and erect it for you.
0: I didn't get the option with that. Oh,
2: Would you have taken that option? Because I, I recommend it thoroughly.
1: My wife always wants that option. I can tell you that for now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was... Um, it, no, it, do you know what? My, my dad loves DIY, so he actually came down to Brighton for the day, driven by my mum. He came in with his toolbox and his hammer. Oh, it's all um, coming
2: out now, isn't it? Oh, you've you've taken you've taken about ten minutes to mention the help from your old man. Yeah,
0: my seventy-eight-year-old dad um, came and helped me put my flat-pack furniture together.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> I suspect your seventy-eight-year-old dad is extraordinarily capable in a way that you're not, because you've basically pretty much been, yeah. been put through the system of international cricket it's from the age of next to nothing. Whereas your dad's a horny-handed labourer who knows what it's like <laughs> on the front line.
0: Well, i tell you what, he, it's funny, actually. When I go and watch Hertfordshire League cricket, or when I did a few years ago, um, when I lived in the area, I used to go around and people would say, oh, you're Terry Finn's son. So I was never Stephen Finn. Even when I'd played 100-odd games for England, I was never Stephen Finn. I was always Terry Finn's son. And they always told me, you bowl quick, but not as quick as your dad did.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. You won't get any sympathy from me on this topic, by the way. Yeah, it must have been tough being Terry Finn's son. Yeah, I'm sure that was a real hardship for you there, (laughs) Stephen.
1: Hey, hey, my my dad was the last remaining headmaster to use the cane in England. So, do you know how difficult it was for me in the early 80s? Fucking hell. Yeah, not great.
2: (laughs) Explains a lot. If ever there was an advert for the fact that that type of punishment doesn't work, I think you are it, Dan.
1: Well, he didn't actually cane me, but he but uh, he was very vocal on radio and TV about how corporal punishment was still a good idea. It was, it was not helpful in the playground
2: <laughs> when you're playing with your spin tops and stick and ball or whatever else you had back then. No,
1: no thanks, Dad.
2: <laughs> right, I suppose we talk about cricket at some point, and uh, the big news story since we last got together. Is the appointment of Finney's old best mate, Brendan McCullum, as the new England Red Bull test coach? Uh, Finney, obviously, been on the receiving end of a swashbuckling Brendan McCullum. Genuinely, as a bloke, I've never met the guy. I think he's very cool and he was a wonderful, wonderful player. What what can you tell us about him? Did, Did you get to know him at all in playing against him over the years?
0: Yeah, he actually specifically told me that he tuned into your radio show for two minutes, thought it was shit. Um, and then turned straight off and said, fuck that bloke, don't want to hear that again. <laughs> He's on fire so
1: today, <laughs> Vinny. He's on He's fucking a good fire. He's isn't
0: he? Yeah. <laughs> so I played with Brendan McCullum for Middlesex for two or three summers and played under him as a captain. He changed the way that people view one-day cricket in the world, didn't he, really, with the way that he played with um, New Zealand, the way that he took their Test match team from being okay to very good and laid the foundation of the platform for Kane Williamson to carry it on. And I suppose that that's going to be the biggest test of his coaching reign will be the legacy that he manages to leave. And if it can be something of the ilk that he did with New Zealand cricket.
2: I think it's going to be fascinating, isn't it, Dan? Because I, I think it's a very sexy, exciting appointment. It's a very unEnglish english appointment in some ways because of that. There is an argument, you could say, that England's problem in Red Bull cricket the last few years has certainly not been a lack of, you know, a lack of flair when batting. If anything, it's quite the opposite. If anything, we need a few more Jeffrey boycotts than we need Brendan McCullums. That's make me playing devil's advocate. What did you make of it, Down when you saw the news? It seemed to come out of
1: nowhere. Yeah, it did a little bit, didn't it? I thought Barney Rone wrote a very interesting piece. I'm not sure I agree with it, all of it, but it was a very thought-provoking one in which he said that English cricket for years and years and years was run by the old boyocracy you know, your Gubby Allens and your Pelham Warners and blah, blah, blah. And then in the sort of uh, late 90s and early 2000s, it sort of became the kind of bureaucracy, like the men in suits and the and the business orientating and things like that. And this feels a bit like a sort of chumocracy. It's a kind of blokeocracy. You know, we've got Keezy, who's been on the telly quite a lot, and we've got Baz, who's really exciting and does this, that and the other. And is there any reason to believe that this particular combination of people who haven't run a test team before are going to be better than any other combinations we've had before? And, I mean, that sort of brought me down a little bit. Thanks, Barney, but he did write it very, very well. But I get get what he means. What he means is that, you know, as a sort of, I, I suppose, a journalist i totally reserve judgment. I'll wait to find out. I I have no idea how this will go because Brendan McCullum might have a profoundly brilliant effect on this England team. He really could do, but we're sort of projecting without knowing. We haven't really got a clue because there's nothing, there's no sort of history to go on from Brendan McCullum having coached a test match team. And in the past, you know, England had sort of Andy Flower and Duncan Fletcher and, Trevor Bayliss was a whiteboard coach, but he was a, a coach of some renown. And Brendan McCollum's making his way through IPL franchises. So, look, we don't know. I, I think if we all hurl lots of positive energy at it and everyone feels good about being part of the project, then it might work out quite well. And we might look back in the years' time and say, this was fantastic. I, um, I
2: think the, it, it, whatever
1: happens, and
2: I said this when I saw the appointment, because I think you're right, there's, lot, there's reasons to be excited and reason to be very wary. And also, we still need to find some players who are, who are good enough to, to win test matches. But all this talk of him being a white ball player, he played 101 test matches Indeed. with a batting average of 38 and, and whilst keeping a lot of the time. However, I said on Twitter when I saw it, it's certainly not going to be dull. Brendan mccullum has got the most sixes in test history and Ben Stokes has got the most sixes in the last 10 years in Test cricket and will one day probably overtake Brendan McCollum. Uh, Stokes on 85, McCollum's on 107. So it's going to be a fascinating new era for English cricket. But if ever you're going to roll a dice like this, why not do it when you're at rock bottom? Well,
1: yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I, I'm not, But I don't know if it is rolling a dice because I'm not sure that Brendan McCollum is going to walk in the and dressing room and go, OK, guys, let's go and smash the shit out of it. Because I, I don't think that's what what people who get paid a lot of money to do very difficult jobs are going to do. So in a way, I think we're projecting our idea of what Brendan McCullum is onto England's test team. And the most important thing for Brendan McCullum is that he has 11 fit players who he can put out there and a bowling attack that can take 20 wickets. That's absolutely vital. And if he has that, and I'm sure he will prioritise winning test matches. And I think that will... Because he'll be, you know, acutely aware of the scepticism around what's going on. And I think that will actually drive English cricket forward, is if they pick the best 11 players available for every game and attempt to win games of cricket without wondering who they're going to be playing in seven months' time. Uh, And I think Brendan McCullum will probably do that. So um, that is going to be positive.
2: Fin- Finney, my next question for you, and I'm sorry to put you on the spot on this, and I was actually going to give you a heads up, I was going to ask you this, but it's too late now. There's only actually about two and a half weeks to go into England's first test match, 2nd of June against New Zealand at Lords. If that test match was tomorrow, and I'm going to assume Mark Wood's not going to be there, and Joffa Archer's not going to be there, and sadly Shakiba Mood's not going to be there, that we could come on to actually in a sec... Who are your four bowlers in two and a half weeks' time if that Test match was tomorrow? Who are you going for?
0: Well, you probably have to say it's Anderson, Broad, Robinson, and maybe Potts from Durham, I think, would have to be up there. I saw him bowl live at um, at Sussex a few weeks ago, and he bowled like a Test match bowler. Good Mm -hmm. pace and has took 37 wickets or something so far this year at 18. So, yeah, I think it would probably consist of those four would all be in the squad. And then I can't think if there's anyone else who's been in squads this winter, but Matt Fisher's got a stress fracture, hasn't he? Sam Curran's not up to the level of bowling to be able to warrant a place in a test match team yet. So, yeah, you'd have to say the stock that was so stocked this time last year is probably a little thin at the moment. And Yeah, you are going to see a couple of rogue picks, you'd think, in that first test match.
1: Well, you've got Craig Overton as well, who had yeah, a bit of an, a knee issue, but he did then come back and bowl. So we're not quite sure what the state this is with, with Craig Overton at the time of recording. And of course, a spinner. Might we see a spinner? I mean, the pitches have been dry and hard because there's been very little rain. Um, there's going to be a bit between now and the 2nd of June, but not, not a lot forecast for London between now and then. I saw a game the other day and it was very seam-friendly up to a point. So, I mean, they're going to go in with four seamers plus Stokes. And also, where where is Ollie Robinson? He was bowling off-spin for Sussex the other day. Is he pretty fit, or was he bowling off-spin because... No, the- he poison, no, he had food poisoning. Food poisoning, he had food
0: poisoning on the first day. That's why he only bowled one over. And then I think he was just fucked after that because the food poisoning wiped him out. Right. Um, and he bowled twenty. he bowled 20 overs in the second innings. But there was a problem with light towards the end of the day, which is why only spinners could bowl. Um, so, yeah, it was it, it an ideal preparation for a Test match. But Sussex actually play New Zealand this week in a game here at Hove. So if he's fit and firing, we may see him in that. I'm not sure. I, I don't have any insider information on that, unfortunately. But, yeah, he, there is still one more opportunity for him to get some overs in his legs this week.
2: he's I mean obviously a a huge one I mean he was you know probably one of England's shining lights last year he was England's probably shining light last year and one of the people that held his hand up there's obviously a few question marks over his fitness but He's one you'd expect. Uh, it is interesting. Obviously, I'm going to keep banging on about Parkinson and how much I want to see him play at some point this summer. But is Lords at the beginning of June going to be the game for it? That will depend on the pitch. Um, we'll do the batsman next week. I'll give you a heads up that we'll talk about batsmen who have put their hand up over the last few weeks next week. Well, well, uh, Harry Brook,
1: wanna... by the way, just very quickly. Well, Harry I mean, Brooke. that is a name Harry, that Harry I Brook is. expect us to an, mention. It's in an insane place. Harry Brook's numbers <laughs> are just getting madder and madder. Uh, 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 that's a real worry, isn't it? Because he's, he's so young. And so good, as in an ordinary world, you'd like to hold him back because every time England put in young batters, they cease to be the batter they were when they first arrived in the England team. It's, it's exactly that, 20. isn't it? But there his numbers are obscene and he's got a back average yeah.
2: of 151.6 in the county championship at the minute, so he's in good touch. But we'll we'll come on to the batsman next week. Uh, Finney, a word on Shaqib Mahmood, who I think everybody feels just very sorry for. No doubt would have featured in some Red Bull cricket for England this summer. And... One of the people that I felt came out of the West Indies tour with their reputation slightly enhanced with some pretty turgid, horrible pitches. You've been there, obviously. It must be quite a tough, lonely place for fast bowlers when you're, when you're going through something like that stress fracture that he suffered.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very fortunate that I've not had a back stress fracture, which is obviously the worst one that you can have as a bowler. But even these last few weeks, I've had bone stress in my knee, which has meant that it's just kept swelling up and and I've had to sit some time out and it's frustrating because you don't feel like that much is wrong with you and especially for him the way that he bowled in the West Indies and the fact that he forwent went or he, he gave up a IPL a chance to be an IPL replacement player to stay and focus on four-day cricket for Lancashire so that he could try and make himself a better test match player yeah it's a very unfortunate sequence of events and yeah you just hope that he can come back and and bowl the same as he did before, which I'm sure he will with the support he'll get, but unbelievably disappointing when he'd had such a bright start in international cricket.
2: Yeah, completely agree. And obviously, I'll force everyone at zero ducks giving guard that she could be moved. But now, Norcross, yeah. every week you want to talk about Surrey being top of the league and yada, yada, yada. Well, but I'm don't... going to, you know what, let's talk about Surrey. Let's talk about the fact that they are a team of yellow-bellied cowards, a team of mental weaklings, mental midgets, bottle jobs. Because three of them, count them, one, two, three, three of them got out between 96 and 91. Nobody put their hand up at a score of 671 for nine declared and got a century. There was also, by the way, four other half centuries in that innings. They're a, bunch of, they're a bunch of cowards. In fact, Surrey is everything that's wrong with the English Test team. Nobody's willing to bat long.
1: Well, I mean, you know, that's one way of looking at it. Yeah, the other way of looking at it is to remind yourself of the great Victor Trumper, who is renowned as one of the greatest players who ever lived. I'm sure you're all very familiar with his work in the late 19th and early 20th century. Mm. And what he used to do was when he saw a really good pitch, he would score some runs to make sure that, you know, the team was in a good position. Then he'd get himself out to allow other people the chance to shine. And Surrey is a team which is bonded by the Black Cat, by the Three Feathers, by by Ich Dean. And they are all looking out for each other. And I genuinely seriously believe that they got out there on that complete road at Beckenham and they got a whole bunch of runs. Seven of them got over 50 and only those seven people would have, and every single one of them got to double figures if it were not for the selfless devotion of each of those players to their other teammates' careerist advances. And uh, they broke the world record, the world record for the most number of runs scored without anybody getting a century. By 60 runs, or 62 in the end, wasn't it, beating Uganda against Namibia, which had previously been 609. 671 for nine declared. They did it with a magnificent 10th-wicket partnership. Mark Church and Matt Cole were brilliant on commentary as the crowd, so tense. They were so tense as they were all aware that history was about to be made. And it was only, I think, the the fact they were so flabbergasted that they didn't make a noise when uh, Surrey (laughs) went past 609. And and, and to hear that, to hear that and to be on tenterhooks Mm. as that 10-figure partnership, who was it? Uh, Dan Worrell and Jordan Clark. Jordan Clark, who's having an incredible season, by the way, with both bat and ball. He's been superb. I thought it was a moment that Britain can take pride in. You know, as the Northern Ireland... Protocol and the Brexit agreement is falling apart, and there is division throughout this nation. The one thing that brought cricket Twitter together was Surrey's assault on that record, which they did so magnificently. And um, it was up there, I think, with England, getting, Britain getting second in the Eurovision Song Contest. It was, it was hard to separate. Actually, hard to separate. Things that people don't way. care
0: about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well.
2: Who's got longer hair? Rory Burns or the bloke that we entered
1: in Eurovision? Good question. Good question. I gave us five sets, I think. Yeah? Yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Now, let's move on to another huge, you know, speaking of that massive, massive news story and that world record that Dan talked about there for, for, let's be honest, two minutes too long. Let's move on (laughs) to another another big news story that nobody cares about. Should Bales become a thing of the past What is this all about? What is this all about? Indian batsman and now commentator Sanjay Mandraka said that bails are officially redundant now that we have LED light-up stumps when they are hit. After David Warner in the IPL had uh, Piers Chawler hammer a ball into his leg stump, but the bails weren't removed. Now, also, you may remember at the 2019 World Cup, there was a lot of controversy over this. Six times during that World Cup, stumps were hit, but the bails didn't get dislodged. There's an argument, it's because the LED lights make them heavier. Although I should point out they weigh no more than the extra heavy bales that are sometimes used in
1: windy conditions. That's worth mentioning. But people he call says, me boring, Finney. People call me boring. <laughs> Listen to this. I mean, what is the exact oh, weight? Phone. What is the exact weight of these heavy bales, Toby? <laughs> he, says,
2: he says, get rid of them. We don't need them anymore. Now, Finney, as a bowler, you get pissed off every time a, a rule change gets mentioned on this podcast. You get pissed off. But this would ben- this is finally a rule that would benefit a bowler. It means you don't have to knock the bales off anymore. And let's be honest, you're not getting any quicker. That's going to get a point where you can't knock those bales off anymore. And this could save you an extra few wickets.
0: How did you do this weekend?
2: Uh, luckily, I was at Wembley watching Liverpool in the FA Cup. So uh, I, I I saved my figures for a week. But we did draw Ashted, who are in the Premier League, and we're playing them in a 2020 on Thursday. So don't worry, I'm going to get a lot of tap on Thursday afternoon. You'll be delighted to. Hear. Is that
0: thing streamed or not? Uh,
2: that's a good question. It's at their ground. It might be. So there you Ooh. go. There's, there's your Thursday afternoon viewing.
0: Fine. Well, put it, put it on the thing because I've just got a nice big. 55 inch tv with youtube here so if it is being streamed live on youtube i'd fucking love to watch you get smashed (laughs) everywhere on a 55 inch tv and see if you're as ugly on a 55 inch tv as you are on my 12.9 inch ipad
2: well look the good news is if you've put that tv together whatever racket's on it'll fucking fall apart after two deliveries of the cricket match so you won't see a fucking thing pal
0: (laughs) That's all right, you'd have gone for 12, so it's all good. <laughs> Can
1: I just ask our producer, is this the very definition of toxic masculinity? I don't know, I'm just trying to work it out.
0: But are, are we like Will
2: Smith and Chris Rock?
0: <laughs> I would love to come over there and slap you, to be fair. This good. is what I mean! This is what I mean!
2: <laughs> good, well... If you slap me, then I come out looking like the good guy. Everybody loves Chris Rock now, and you be the bad guy. You and Dan's. Yeah, I could it. fit
0: I could fit a full red handprint on your forehead. It's that big. <laughs> look
2: at it. I am slowly turning it, turning into a combination of Antan Deck, I'm noticing over the years. I look like I look
1: like they're
2: ugly. That's a big brother. claim, Tobes. Well, That's like, a big
1: claim. They got about 12 BAFTAs.
2: Yeah, I'm like that ugly third brother that's not as successful. I'm like, do you know somebody? I've told you somebody wants to text into my radio show just to tell me that I look like Freddie Flintoff's younger brother who didn't get enough milk.
1: <laughs> that's cruel. It's
2: cruel, but I tell you what, no, there's no smoke about fire, is there? I mean, there's a point in that. Anyway, to sum up, I'm, I'm going to take your answer there is uh, you don't give a shit about the bales.
0: I couldn't care less. I, they're not gonna happen in the county championship, are they? Couldn't give a fuck about them in international cricket. So yeah, whatever.
1: I do care. They they, they it's aesthetically pleasing. I mean I stumps about
0: but without, without
1: bales just look
0: really fucking
1: naked. I mean I don't mm. I don't wanna see that.
0: What about there's been a few times this year where the ball has just hit the bale. So you know the bale sits slightly mm, higher good point. than the stumps. Yes. Are, you are they gonna extend the stumps to make them Taller, you can't, you know, that, that delivery yes. that Jofra Archer bowled against, I think, was it Bangladesh, Bangladesh or Cardiff? Pakistan?
1: Yeah, I can't remember. Pakistan,
0: yeah. maybe, where the bail went for six, but the ball didn't hit the stumps. Mm, yeah. Well, that, also, never see also, that also,
1: when that ball goes perfectly between like middle and off stump and just hits the top of the mm. bail that's between it,
0: mm, mm, that's beautiful. Taking away,
1: that, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. D- bail are So, why? Are beautiful. Yet again,
0: yet again, administrators and people who run cricket. Trying to meddle with something that doesn't require meddling with, which doesn't surprise me.
1: In fairness, in fairness, it's none of those people. It's Sanjay Mandraker, right? <laughs> so I don't, yeah, I mean, you know, the administrators get really bad press here, but I'm not going to blame them for Sanjay Mandraker <laughs> having no aesthetic sensibilities whatsoever. Yeah. That's not okay. their fault.
2: I mean, I'd say I'm, I'm totally against the idea as well. So for once, we all agree on stuff. Isn't this Ray? We're all getting along so well. Uh, Now, Daniel Norcross as well, can you please talk us through the wonderful Fair Break tournament that has been taking place over the last few weeks? I've been following it through Twitter and uh, the reaction to it from players especially is that it was a rip-roaring success.
1: Well, it was. It was really good fun. um, And what what it did was it, it plugged that gap that exists in the women's game between becoming a global game and becoming a rather sort of narrow game because the world cup and the way you can qualify for the world cup there was a, a covid did for thailand for example very exciting side thailand a lot of their players got to play in this um, the captain of brazil who's huge on twitter she got to play on play in this we got to see as stars from countries that we otherwise wouldn't do because the way uh, the ICC has arranged women's cricket over the last 15, 20 years. It was pr- produced on, it was put on Sky. Or sorry, it's on Sky. It wasn't on Sky, it was on Free Sports, but I got it on my platform. So I could watch Adam Collins, excellent broadcaster, Georgie Heath, Izzy Duncan, Jeff Lawson. It was done with a, a serious amount of care. And uh, you got to see different people, people you hadn't, didn't normally see as supplemented by. Some of the stars of the game: Deandra Dottin, Susie Bates, Heather Knight, Sophie Eccleston, etc. All there, and it sort of shines a light on what the Indians are doing with women's cricket, and they're the obvious place. I mean, you know, an, an Indian women's Premier League is the obvious place that women's cricket needs to be going for these kind of things, rather than the, the Fair Break Championship, which was Fair Break up. Was fantastic, but. It's in the absence of of this being taken on by India. And India, meanwhile, is having a four-team tournament, which they've had before, which doesn't really plug much of a gap and has been superseded by this tournament. So, look, it was great fun. And uh, I thought it showcased excellent women cricketers and women cricketers we otherwise wouldn't see. And so uh, more of the same. They're doing it again at Hong Kong next year in March. I'll be angling for that because I have friends in Hong Kong, apart from anything else. And uh, cricket in Hong Kong is always really good fun if you've ever been, have you ever been to Hong well, Kong? I've never been to Hong Kong. Finn you been to Hong Kong? Oh, they've no. got two terrific cricket clubs there. Oh, it's Hong Kong sixes of course from years ago. used to be played there. Uh, fantastic facilities, really brilliant setup. So the next edition of Fair Break it was in uh, the UAE. It's going to go to Hong Kong next time. I think that's going to be uh, well, something why don't we do a podcast from there? I'm
2: game. I mean, we in don't have any really budget for it. We can't even pay Finney yet, let
1: alone fly to Hong Kong. Finney will get, get a gig. You can, I mean, you basically work from home anyway. I mean, you just dial in your show. Yeah. And, you know. uh, and I'll just tag along.
2: I'll tell you one thing that Fairbreak did get very right. They played 19 games in 15 days with not teams. Because the IPL, I mean, I always have it on, but it doesn't half fucking drag the IPL. It could be half the amount of time. Could they not at least do two games a day?
1: I when we, I hear a word said against the IPL, it's provided me with 16 days of work in April that I otherwise wouldn't have got.
2: <laughs> well, well, look, they haven't paid me a penny. They've paid me as much money as we've paid Stephen Finn, all right? So I've got no I've got no fighter in this fight. And I'll tell you, honestly, it's like the other day it was the most one sided game ever. It was over by about the fifth over of the chase. And then that's the only game you've got on all day, and you sit a team not to get anywhere near a score that they're chasing. Play some more games every day It's only The whole point of 2020 Was it's meant to be quick and easy And yet they're setting A whole day aside So that I can watch Punjab versus Delhi At three o'clock in the afternoon Get over yourself IPL Finally someone came out And
1: said it it, 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 Your problem with the IPL Just to be clear Toby Is it it goes on too long It's only on for four hours a day And it should be on For eight hours a day
2: Yeah but for half the amount of days It's just Oh it just
1: goes on (laughs) So many
2: dead rubbers and pointless games, and oh, it's you know what? Like when the 2020 World Cup's on a couple of games a day, beautiful, beautiful, and then you know you can have one game a day when you get to the knockout stages. But when you're watching a dead rubber who who's gonna come fifth or seventh in the group,
1: I don't care. Have you ever thought of being a major advisor to, to well to major league baseball? Just just go to them and explain yeah. to them 162 games, yeah. Get over in yourself. Two hundred and twenty days. I mean, you know, just shorten it. Yeah, just, like, play just less. make it like sixteen days, nice and quick, in and out, bang. Exactly. And they go. Of course, of course, yes, yes. That way, we could like lose ninety percent of our ad revenue, and yeah. uh, we'll, we'll have absolutely no money in the game at all. You, you know haven't. why they're doing it, Toby? I know why they're doing it. Just, it's just frustrating. And no, I haven't thought about being a major
2: league baseball uh, planner. But if they're listening, if the MLB are listening, I am available. Uh, now we should finish the podcast on the very, very sad news that happened this week. And I should point out, it's been a very, very rough few months for Australian cricket and cricket fans everywhere, to be fair. This is, of course, the tragic passing of Andrew Simons, far too young, age 46, after being involved in a car crash. Finney, I asked you before we started recording if you'd ever had any experience of Andrew Simons, but um, sadly, you never crossed paths as a player. But obviously, he's somebody that you would have seen a lot of over the years. It all seemed to come annoyingly easy to him, the whole sport. Um, he was probably ahead of his time, how aggressive he was in the white ball game. But, I mean, could bat. Had a test match, batting average of 40. Had an ODI batting average of 39.8. T20 batting average of 48. He could bowl seam, he could bowl spin. I watched the two-minute montage, because I'm very sad that I have nothing better to do with him doing direct hit runouts, And he was unbelievable at, with one stumped way running people out. Just a really bloody good and also bloody cool cricketer. So that's what it looked like from a fan's point of view anyway.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. So what, um, what I used to think when I was younger as well. I mean, he was um, ahead of his time. Like you say, if he were to have played 20 years later, you'd imagine that he'd be one of the biggest sellers in the IPL every year, would be a household name with with people for the T20 format. And yeah, you just remember him playing with a smile on his face and, and, yeah, being ahead of his time, really. So, yeah, very sad to see him pass and, and a tough time for Australian cricket fans and people in Australia with, um, with everything that's happened. So, yeah, my thoughts go out to them.
2: I mean, only played 26 test matches, I mentioned there, Daniel, but probably a sign of how bloody good that Australian side was. I saw somebody, somebody say if he was English, he would have played 100 test matches in that time.
1: Well, he very nearly was English because, because he, there was a question of whether he'd be England qualified. He had no interest in being England qualified. He'd always always wanted to be Australian. Um, but he played in England a lot when he was younger. He had uh, a very good claim to be English if he wanted to. And he, he hit 16 sixes in a first-class match, which was a record broken only last week. I was only thinking of Andrew Simons when Stokes hit those 17 sixes yeah. in his innings because it was... Uh, Simons and I think Graham Napier, who held that record most number of sixes hit in a match in England, he played for Gloucestershire quite fantastically. He did, but he had a kind of laconic way. He was great in the commentary box as well. It was flamboyant, obviously. It's kind of it, well, it is shocking. It's shocking and horrible. He's been described by a lot of Australian people who played with him, people like Brett Lee, as you know their favourite tourist, their favourite teammate. And the guy who went through the age groups and was sort of the most naturally talented, could do everything. Uh, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible news. And for Australia and Australian cricket lovers, particularly Rod Marsh, Shane Warne, Andrew Simons. It's, it's, it's a tough, it's a, it's a pretty horrible time. And his age as well, just 46. Um, yeah, it's grim. It always is grim when someone's taken so young, but it's, particularly grim when you, when they're people that you hear, you know, you hear on the airwaves and we got to know them a little bit better than we might've done other people. So yeah. Horrible.
2: Yeah. Just uh, you know, the reaction from a lot of the Aussie players that played with him is obviously that they seem to really just find him so effortlessly cool. I saw Michael Clark joking about him that they couldn't have been more different. Michael Clark was this sort of pampered city boy. Andrew Simons was as country as it got in Australia and Michael Clark said that somehow they formed this amazing connection over the years. And he says, I would never left my city bubble. And after about six months of meeting Andrew Simons, I remember going fishing, wading out into crocodile infested water with him because he just made me get out my comfort zone and do things I never would have done otherwise. Uh, yeah, really sad few months for the Australian cricket family. But just one of the coolest, like Finney said, he would have been so marketable and just unbelievably popular in the IPL. He was made for a tournament like that with the very cool, he used to wear the sun cream on his lips always. I'll remember him. The dreadlocks coming out either side of the baggy green and the white the white sun cream on the lip. Just one of the coolest cricketers ever. So really sad news. Um, chaps, I will see you next week. I'm going to give you a heads up now that I'm going to ask you for your top seven Next week, in the uh, before the England New Zealand Test match in a few weeks, so I'm going to give you a bit of homework over the next two weeks. Homework,
1: which... I mean, first start, well, well, the, the Philly's just got Robson, he's already just done Robson, he's just inked in Robson, but and look, he's nodding as he's doing it. Hit a brilliant hundred, incidentally, in a drawing cause the other day against Nottinghamshire, uh, and out of next to nothing, but he batted superbly. I got I watched a fair bit of that innings, um. He's, yeah, look at it. Look how he's nodding. Yeah, so Finney, Well, go. Finney's been banging the got, Sam Robson
2: drum for for months, for 69 episodes oh, on this podcast it was, now. It was,
1: ever, it was ever since... I mean, he really got strong, didn't it, after the barbecue that he had at mm. um, Sam's place in Australia. And then he really went long. I don't know what it was that he was fed that day.
2: What did but Sam it, Robson do to you at that barbecue that made you like him so much, Finney?
0: He paid me.
1: <laughs> he paid you to go to... He's barbecue. I mean, he Papier might get selected sausages. for England. Oh, right. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, to
2: be fair, you're always whinging about not getting paid for this podcast, but we could probably organise you a pack of Richmond every week if, you, if that would make you a bit less grumpy.
0: I mean, mm. they taste good on a hangover. I'll give you that. Mm. But, but yeah, I don't plan on being hungover every day of the week. So I'm actually conscious of what I'm eating. So I'll, um, I'll pass, thanks.
2: Okay. Well, you know, you tried to offer an olive branch, but that's what you get.
1: I've got a couple of bits of any other business. Okay, fucking um, here we go. Strap yourself in, Philly. Well, but, but firstly, uh, a, a big congratulations to Jack Roberts because I think he sent me a, twit, a tweet, direct message the other day, about two weeks ago, saying that all this stuff would be done and dusted. He's a regular listener of ours and a, a lovely man. And I hope it's all now done and dusted, Jack. So, congratulations on. Wait, what are you talking about? What Jack station? Roberts? Jack Roberts, one of our. He's one of our. Yeah, he our, is our well, listener. He's, he is out. There is, look, there, there's about two other people that lay claim to it. No, but. So, I mean, what, it could but, be all the same person. What are we congratulating, what, him, what what are we congratulating him on? But it finished felt like his you glitched. He didn't say any words. His, he's finished his university oh, stuff. He's done. Did I mumble? Um, Sorry. Yes. Jack Roberts, well done on completing everything by now, hopefully, I think because I think it's two weeks since he sent me the message saying everything will be done in two this weeks. This is
2: meant to be you clearing up what he's yeah. done. You you That's haven't any said other the business. word university That's how any other,
1: yet. Have you never been to a Labour Party it's, local committee meeting? To sum no, up, you want to congratulate works. our one listener, Jack Roberts, yeah. on, on completing
2: everything. Well done, Jack. <laughs> what are you talking about? That's
1: about being nice to people who take the trouble to listen to Finney being annoyed <laughs> at having to do this podcast. I still,
2: still, I don't think anyone knows what he's supposed to have done. Well done, Jack. Well, I'm not
1: sure i do to be brutally honest but you know it's academic in some way and it seems to have been done he was a bloke who who got in touch with us about a year ago to ask I know who Jack is I just what... don't know what he's done no, neither do I maybe he can properly explain it Jack, well done, Jack properly explain it and the other bit of any other business the last bit of any other business for tonight is that uh, I was at Middlesex for their four day game because it's quite close Lords popped in I went into the North stuff, and I saw John Simpson who was dressed in his suit and tie within about 20 minutes of the last ball being bowled. It was the most extraordinary thing to witness. And oh, how we reminisced about that day at the last yeah. year in the 100. So anyway, Simo sends his love, Finney. He hasn't got the IPL contract, but I think he's fairly hopeful of BPL or Sri Lankan, whatever it is or the Afghan Premier League. And it's all because of you.
2: Oh, there you go, Finny. It's nice helping out a mate like that. Who? Yeah. who yeah, he's a good friend. We started the podcast oh, no, no. on Brendan McCullum, and we finished on John Simpson. I'm sorry, Finny. I don't know how that's happened, mate. I wasn't even my my fault. Oh, we are right.
1: not even really asked him about his knee. I mean, we're not showing any kind of care or concern. Well, if you would like to watch
2: um, me worse, do worse than you did against Simpson and McCullum, watch me on the game against Ashton on Thursday and see a... See another Lanky bowler go around the park. Six o'clock, so I'll probably be taking out the attack at about
1: 6.04, I'd imagine. I'd imagine that. You tend to hold a first over, do you? That's a good point. Let's make it (laughs) 6.08. Yeah, we've
2: got a Surrey under-19 kid that gets the first over. He's much better than me, weirdly. Right, (laughs) chaps, lovely to see you both. See you next week.
1: Goodbye. Bye.
2: Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase
0: necessary. Over and
2: by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.